Well, good Tuesday morning to each and every one of you. I greet you as always with Jesus' joy and am certainly grateful and thankful that you have connected with us virtually for this edition, this segment of our Old Testament Word Walk that takes place each and every Tuesday right here at the St. James Missionary Baptist Church. I pray and trust everyone is well, blessed, and highly favored of God, and I'm certainly grateful and thankful to have you connected with us uh, for this walk through the Word of God. We are continuing our study of the book of Leviticus as we are operating under the theme of setting sights for spiritual standards. As you remember last week, we began dealing with the six offerings. And so today we're going to continue uh, in that vein, in that discussion, uh, seeing if we can't pick up maybe two or three more of those six offerings. But, but of course, I pray and trust by now you've got your Bible, you've got your note-taking material, you have your handout. If you picked up the handout last week, it is the same handout uh, that we will be using for the next few weeks as we walk through the first seven chapters of the book of Leviticus. But before we begin, let's take a moment and let's pray and let's seek the Lord for guidance and understanding as we walk through his word together. Bow your heads with us and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you now telling you thank you, God, for this another day that you've blessed us to see. Thank you for our life, our health, our strength, that we are closed in a right mind and able to move from one place to another. Not on any good things of our own, not on any goodness of our own, but totally by your goodness and your grace and your mercy that we are still here. And for that, we want to say thank you. Now, God, as we prepare to walk through your word today, I ask, as always, for clarity of speech and clarity of thought that we will rightly divide your word to these, your people. God, I'm so glad to know that even though the grass may wither and the flowers may fade, your word will stand forever. Stand up in us now and we will be found giving your name, the praise, the glory and all of the honor. This is our prayer. We offer it now in Jesus' name. We pray and praise. Amen, amen, and amen. To God be the glory. Listen, listen, let's, let's jump right in. Let's jump right in as we left off last week. I want to begin uh, today by once again posting those six offerings uh, on the screen. Let's begin there. Uh, just as a reminder, a source of review from where we were last week. Last week, we dealt with the burnt offering. Uh, which is recorded in chapter one, didn't read chapter one with you. And I pray and trust you all took the time uh, to read it and gain some understanding from the word of God. Um, today, we're going to take a look at the second offering, the grain and the meal offering. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about the drink offering. As you see there, the drink offering is not mentioned in the book of Leviticus, but um, it is important that we see it as it is connected to the burnt and the grain offering. All three offerings in most cases uh, throughout the Old Testament were offered together. So I wanna talk about that for a little bit on today. And then if the Lord shall say the same, we'll dive right into the fellowship and peace offering. But if not, uh, there's always next week. Uh, but we will deal with the fellowship and the peace offering, the sin offering, and then the guilt and the trespass offering. So uh, last week, as I shared, we talked about the burnt offering and we shared the fact that the burnt offering expresses man's devotion and his dedication to God. 
because as a requirement of the burnt offering, the entire sacrifice, whether it was a member of the flock, a member of the herd, or a member of the bird, the turtle dove or the pigeon, if you remember in verses 14 through 17, no matter what it was, all of the animal had to be placed on the altar. And that was a symbol for us, as I shared with you last week, that even in our worship, all of us, we've got to put our total mind, soul, and body on the altar. We've got to totally surrender ourselves to God in worship. Remember we said last week that our worship in the burnt offering should have a pleasant aroma so that as the smoke went up, it was found pleasing in the nostrils or the smell of God, which left us asking all of us a question. The question being, what does your worship smell like? In other words, is your worship, is your lifestyle of worship pleasing to the sight, the ears, and the smell of God? Remember we talked about that, that sometimes you can do the best in worship but if your spirit is wrong, if your attitude is wrong, if the atmosphere is wrong, remember those three words we gave you last week? That worship has to consist of, first of all, the right attitude. What are you thinking? What are, where is your mind? Where is your thought process when you worship? Secondly, it has to consist of the right atmosphere. What's happening around you? Is the area around you conducive for God to show up and show his power. And then third and finally, the action. What are you doing? Everything, if our all is gonna be on the altar as we give it in worship, we gotta check our actions, we gotta check the atmosphere, and we definitely have to check our attitude. Those are three things that are most important. So in today's lesson, we're going to dive right into chapter two of Leviticus, Leviticus, the second chapter. And uh, whereas last week I did not read um, the entire chapter, I'm actually going to do it today to sort of set the stage and have us understand the instructions uh, for mankind. Remember, we said with each of the offerings, it was two pieces that we find in the first seven chapters. The first five chapters really deal with, or the first six, five and a half chapters, I should say, because it stops at about verse 18 of chapter six, deals with man's instructions as it relates to his surrender in worship. And then chapter six and seven are going to deal with the priest's service, the priest's role, the instructions given to the priest as it related to the giving of the offering or the offering of their offerings before God. So we're going to take a look at today. I'm going to read Act, um, Acts, Leviticus chapter number two, verses one through 16. And then a little bit later, we're going to take a look at chapter six, verses 14 through 23. And then I want to take a look at a couple of verses in chapter seven. So let's begin, if you will, by reading uh Leviticus chapter number two, as we deal with the grain offering, what were the instructions as it related to the grain offering? Let's, let's look at it there. Let's look at it there. Leviticus chapter two, beginning at verse one, reading the entire chapter. English standard version says, when anyone brings a grain offering as an offering to the Lord, his offering shall be a fine flower. 
He shall pour oil on it and put frankincense on it and bring it to Aaron's sons, the priest. He shall take from it a handful of the fine flour and oil and frankincense, and the priest shall burn this as its memorial portion on the altar, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But the rest of the grain offering shall be for Aaron and his sons. It is a most holy part of the Lord's food offerings. When you bring a grain offering baked in the oven as an offering, it shall be unleavened loaves of fine flour mixed with oil or unleavened wafers smeared with oil. And if your offering is a grain offering baked on a griddle, it shall be a fine flour unleavened mixed with oil. You shall break it in pieces and pour oil on it. It is a grain offering. And if your offering is a grain offering cooked in a pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. And you shall bring the grain offering that is made of these things to the Lord when it is presented to the priest, and he shall bring it to the altar. Verse uh, 9. And the priest shall take from the grain offering its memorial portion and burn this on the altar, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But the rest of the grain offering shall be for Aaron and his sons. It is a most holy part of the Lord's food offerings. No grain offering that you bring to the Lord shall be made with leaven. For you shall burn no leaven nor any honey as a food offering to the Lord. As an offering of first fruits, you may bring them to the Lord, but they shall not be offered on the altar for a pleasing aroma. You shall season all of your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. Verse 14, if you offer a grain offering of first fruits to the Lord, you shall offer for the grain offering of your first fruits fresh ears, roasted with fire, crushed new grain, and you shall put oil on it and lay frankincense on it. It is a grain offering. And the priest shall burn it as its memorial portion of some of the crushed grain and some of the oil with all of its frankincense. It is a food offering to the Lord. Now, there is a lot of repetition that is found in these 16 verses. But keep in mind, beloveds, as we walk through the Old Testament, that the repetition is important as we understand God to be a God of specifics. The specifics. God is a God of making sure that whatever instructions I give, I need them carried out to the exact measure of which I have given them. Let's talk a little bit about the grain offering. Let's talk a little bit about it. Let's talk a little bit about its significance, all right? Because according to Bible history, the grain offering signifies Christ in his perfect human life as the satisfaction of the Father and the supply of people's needs. If you're following the handout, the very first point that I need you to see under uh, point number one, under letter B, where we have it identified as the meal offering. The first point that I need you to understand is grain represents the fruit 
of our labor. It, it, it's, it's, it's the fruit of our labor because keep in mind, this is a bloodless offering compared to last week when we dealt with the burnt offering. The burnt offering was a blood offering because remember it said that the blood of the animals was sprinkled around the sides of the altar signifying a sacrifice being offered for man's sin. Remember we talked about that last week, that man actually laid his hand on the head of the sacrifice before it was offered, identifying that this, this goat, this bull, this bird stands in my place as a sacrifice, all right? It was a bloodless offering. It was a bloodless offering because it basically was a symbol that shows us that the life of Christ is not separated from his death, but his life becomes our true bread, which is the second point that I wanna make sure that you see as it relates to the grain offering. This offering represents Christ, point number two under letter B, as the bread of life the bread of life. Let's, let's look at it real quick. Let's look at it real quick. John chapter six, verse 32 is uh, where I want to show you. Let's, let's look at John chapter six, and then we're going to dive in to uh, the verses in Leviticus chapter two. In John chapter six, verse 32, look at what the word of God says, English standard version. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread of heaven. Basically what we're looking at when we think about the grain offering in the New Testament sense, in our sense, we are basically saying that I am offering this offering in gratitude, in honor, and in respect for the sacrifice that was made for my life. So when we think about that in relation to worship, what that basically says is not only should our worship have a pleasing aroma to God, but it also should involve the level of, watch, watch what I'm about to say, excellent service. All right, because as we look through uh, the word of God, as we look through chapter two, look at the instructions going all the way back to verse number one. He said that the grain offering should be an offering of fine flour mixed with oil and with frankincense. Now, anybody who knows anything about essential oils knows already that frankincense has a very pleasing scent. It's a, it's a pleasant smell. So now when you add the, the oil, the frankincense to the flour, you are now beginning to make somewhat of a paste that could be used to create bread. Y'all see it? There, there's something here about Christ's whole person. Christ identifies himself as the bread of life. So actually, when we see Aaron and his sons taking it, look at verse two. He says, you will take a handful of it and lay it on the altar. A handful of the flour, the oil with the frankincense. Verse two, the priest shall lay it on the altar. 
What, what are we getting at, Pastor? What are you saying here? That basically says that as we are found worshiping, as we are found praising, as we are found honoring God, we should be found giving a portion in spiritual service to God. Can I say that again? We need to be found giving a portion of our lives in spiritual service to God. In other words, it's one thing for us to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, but the question that must now be asked is, what is done with the sacrifice when it is given? Oh, I know this is good, this is good, this is real good, because you know what that shows me? It shows me here that even in my giving, even in my worship through giving, I need to make sure that I'm properly representing Christ, not only in my sacrifice, but even in my service. Can I say that one more time? I want to make sure that in my worship, I'm giving to God, not just my sacrifice, but once I give it to him, I need to make sure that I'm worshiping him in my service. Make it live, Pastor. Please make it live to help somebody. Let me make it live to help somebody here today. What good is it for us to be a part of a church and worshiping on Sunday, but we never see you when it's time to serve? Amen. There needs to be more than that. All right? Now, Leviticus does not specify, beloveds, when the grain offering was to be given. All right. Except for the period known, according to verses 12 through 16, as the first fruits. We're going to get there in just a moment. All right. But the whole point of the grain offering was still holy unto the Lord. It was to be offered unto him. All right. Few things I need to point out to us as we walk through the word of God. Look with me at, at, at verse number three. Look at verse number three. He says that after that portion of the grain offering is laid upon the altar, look at what happens. The rest of it is to be given to Aaron and the priest. It was to be given to Aaron and the priest. In other words, the first portion, first fruit, was offered to God, all right? And then the rest was given to Aaron. It was given to the priest. It was given to the priest. All right. There are various reasons why it was given to the priest. Various reasons. One, so that the priest would be able to survive. Uh-oh, I'm about to get there, but let me go ahead and lay it on the line. Because during those days, the priest relied solely on the people's gifts and offerings to survive. Amen. Amen. Why? This was, remember we talked about this in Exodus, the priest was the representative, the mediator between the people and God. If he was not serving, he was in prayer. If he was not taking care of the temple, he was praying for the people. If he wasn't praying for the people, he was offering sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. In other words, basically, it was there to make sure that they were able to live. 
they were able to find dependence. All right. Here's the other piece that I got to show you. Here's the other piece. The other piece that I need to make sure that you understand is the remainder of the offering is identified in verses three and verse 10 as the holiest part. Not, not the piece that's laid on the altar, but the piece, the piece given to the priest is identified as the holiest part. Look at it. Look at it right there. Look at it. Verse three, the rest of the grain offering shall be for Aaron and his sons. It is the most holy part of the Lord's food. It is the most holy part for the Lord's food. Look at verse 10. It's there. It's there. It's right there in verse 10. The rest of the grain offering shall be for Aaron and his sons. What was that for, pastor? This was a payment, considered a payment for their ministry. They were allowed to eat from this portion. It was holy. It was special. Why? You are honoring God by honoring his servant. Amen. And that, if I could make that live, it still applies to today's day and time. Amen. It is holy. It is right. It is proper. Don't let anybody tell you any other way. It is holy. It is right. It is proper to honor your priest. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with making sure that the priest is taken care of. It is nothing wrong with making sure that the priest eats. Help me somebody. All right. There it is right there in scripture. All right. So we understand that the grain represents the fruit of our labor. The grain represents Christ in a perfect human life. The grain offering represents Christ as the bread of life. All right. Look at something else. Look at something else I want to point out to you. I want to point out something else to you. Did you all not also see that once the priest takes his point, the next piece that is found in scripture is this. All of the grain offering was to include the salt of the covenant with your God. It's right there in verse 13. Right in verse 13. You see it there? You shall season all of your grain offerings with salt. Mm. Now, here's the thing that you got to remember. Salt in our day is a preservative. Salt is a preservative. But in Bible days, salt is a, is a symbol of permanence because according to Bible history, salt was something that could not be destroyed by fire. Mm-hmm. It could not be destroyed by fire. That's found in Numbers chapter 18, verse 19. And then later on in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 13, verses 5, verse 5. 2 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 5. Because the salt was spread there to represent God's permanence of his covenant with David. All right? The covenant will be fulfilled when Jesus takes the throne at his second coming and rules in his millennial, his millennial reign. It's all set up to understand the permanence of the kingdom, the permanence, the preservative of the kingdom. Why do you think Jesus describes us in the Gospels as the salt of the earth? 
We are the preservative of the earth. We are the reason why the earth continues to maintain. But if we lose our savor, isn't that what Jesus said? If we lose our flavor, if we lose our taste, we are therefore good for nothing. People of God, I pray to God, I pray to God, beloveds, that our worship is never seen by God as good for nothing. Amen. It is good for nothing but to be thrown out and trodden under the foot of men. So the grain offering was mingled with oil. That's another point that I got to point out to you. I, I, I should have pointed this out earlier, but do you not remember what oil represents? Oil in the New Testament is a symbol of God's power and God's Holy Spirit or the power of God's Holy Spirit. In other words, my life, my labor, if it is not saturated with God's Holy Spirit, and seasoned with frankincense, which represents devotion of the heart. Look at this, y'all. Catch it, catch it, catch the symbolism of Old Testament. If flour represents us, mm -hmm, oil represents the power of God's spirit, and frankincense represents the devotion of our hearts to God. If all of that is not mixed in, guess what? Our worship is useless. Amen. If your heart isn't in it, if God's power isn't in it, if God's spirit isn't in it, what are we doing? Amen. It becomes 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 1, 2, and 3 says this, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, have not love, I am a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Y'all, I can talk all day, but if my attitude, my atmosphere, and my actions are not motivated by God's power and God's spirit and God's self-sacrificing love, it is nothing. Can I keep going? Verse two of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Though I, I uh, know all mysteries, and know all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Think about it, y'all. If our worship is not bathed in the spirit of God, if our worship lifestyle is not bathed in true spiritual devotion to God, what do we have? We have nothing, and I'm gonna say it. I'm going to say it with hopes of helping all of us. Our prayer in our worship should not only be in smelling, but God help us to be more devoted and committed in our service. Make it live, pastor. You ought to be ready to work. Amen. It's got to be more than just sitting in church on Sunday. It's got to be more than just giving a few dollars. What are you doing beyond that? The service of the kingdom. Amen. 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 We got to make sure that it is service, service, service of the kingdom. And then on top of that, it's mingled with salt, which basically says that 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 spirit, that anointing has a producing power that is permanent. Amen. It provides the preservative of the world. 
Amen. Do you not realize your worship can save your life and build somebody else's too? Your worship, your worship. What, what are you doing with your worship? Your worship is pleasing to God by the aroma, by the smell. But your worship is equally pleasing to God in your service to mankind. Remember what Jesus said in the word of God? Jesus said, look, if your brother asks you to walk one mile, walk two with him. That's service, y'all. Remember what Jesus said. If he asks for your coat, give him your coat and your cloak. That's service, y'all. If he slaps you in one cheek, turn the other cheek to him. That's what are we doing? We are serving people through the love of Christ. I'm going to show you that I'm bigger. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than a group of people. Can I say that? This is bigger than a clique. It's bigger than an organization. It's bigger than a sanctuary. It is about our service to God. Amen. Amen. So keep this in mind, beloved, as we move on. Remember now, the burnt offering was an identification of our total lives to God. Have you given yourself totally to God? The grain offering, the meal offering symbolizes, watch this, as a matter of service in relation to your worship. It's one thing for you to come and lift your hands in the sanctuary, but can you take those same hands and dig them in the dirt to help somebody in trouble? That's what we're talking about. Which brings us to this last piece. I, I should have told you all, today's gonna be a relatively short lesson. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the drink offering. But before I get there, jump with me. Before I get to the drink offering, let me not get ahead of myself. Jump with me to um, the sixth chapter of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter six. Let's deal with, first of all, before we deal with the drink offering, let's deal with the priest instructions as it related to the meal or the grain offering. All right. Leviticus chapter number six. Let's read verses 14 through 23. And then I'm going to jump over in just a little bit. We're going to take a look at a couple of verses in chapter seven. All right. Leviticus chapter number six. Leviticus chapter number six, beginning at verse 14. The word of God says, these are the regulations for the grain offering. Aaron's sons are to bring it before the Lord in front of the altar. The priest is to take a handful of the finest flour and some olive oil together with all the incense on the grain offering and burn the memorial portion on the altar as an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Aaron and his son shall eat the rest of it. But look at this, y'all. It is to be eaten without yeast in the sanctuary area. They are to eat it in the courtyard of the tent of meeting. Look at this. It must not be baked with yeast. That's the difference between leaven and unleavened. Leavened has yeast. Unleavened. I have given it as their share of the food offering presented to me. Like the sin offering and the guilt offering, it is most holy. All male descendants of Aaron may eat it. For all generations to come, it is his perpetual share of the food offerings presented to the Lord. Whatever touches them will become holy. 
The Lord also said to Moses, this is the offering Aaron and his sons are to bring to the Lord on the day he is anointed. Look at this. A tenth of the ephath of the finest flour as a regular grain offering, half of it in the morning and half of the evening. Tenth, tenth, tithe. It must be prepared with oil on a griddle. Bring it well mixed and present the grain offering broken in pieces as an aroma pleasing to the Lord. The son who is to succeed him as the anointed priest shall prepare it. It is the Lord's perpetual share and it is to be burned completely. Every grain, every grain, y'all see that? Every grain offering of a priest is to be burned completely. It shall not be given. So what are we seeing here? What we're seeing here are the priestly regulations. All right. The grain offering is to be divided. A smaller portion known as a memorial portion is given to God. The rest is given to the priest. But did you not notice that God is very specific about how they are to use it? The rest is to be roasted and consumed by the priest without leaven in the courtyard of the tent of meeting. All right. According to verse 17, that portion is also holy. All right. Since, since the grain offering is, is brought by the priest, is given to the priest, lock, look at this, lock, look at this. According to verse 19, he says that they ought to give a portion back to God. Look at verse 20. This is the offering Aaron and, son, and his sons are to bring to the Lord on that day. He is anointed a tenth of the ephath of the finest flour. 10% of what has been passed through their hands is to be given as an offering. Somebody needs to see where I'm going. Somebody, somebody needs to catch where I'm going, catch where I'm going. I'm, I'm headed there. I'm headed right there because what we are beginning to see here is I pray now we are beginning to see that tithing is still being instituted. Amen. Tithing is still being instituted. Tithing is still being carried out. It is still being carried out. Anybody see where I'm going now? Is it, is it beginning to make sense? Is it beginning to come together? That we understand that not only should the people be tithing, but do you not see this? Even the priest should be tithing. Let me talk to some preachers. Let me talk to some preachers and let me say to us as preachers, let's make sure that we are found giving a 10% of what God has allowed to come through our hands. I, 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 I question and I have problems. I'm just going to be honest with you. I got problems. I got problems. I got problems, y'all, with preachers who don't want to tithe. I got problems with that. Now we see it in scripture. This is not something that started in the, in the New Testament. It's right here in the old. Once they got a portion of their memorial offering, a tenth of it was to be offered to God. Teach this lesson, JT Worthy. Help somebody today. 
This, this, this suggests, Tony Evans says that this suggests that this was an offering for God's mercy in providing the priest as a mediator between him and the people. And it's continued to be found even in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ becomes our high priest. What did he offer on behalf of us? What did he offer on behalf of us? He gave his life. Did he not? He sacrificed himself as a, as a ransom, as a payment for man's sin. Amen. Amen. Jump with me to chapter seven. Let's look at verse nine and 10. Leviticus chapter seven, verse nine and 10. The instructions continue. All right. Verse seven, verse nine and 10. Every grain offering. Remember, we talked about that piece that's baked. Every grain offering baked in an oven or cooked in a pan or on a griddle belongs to who? It belongs to the priest that offered it. And every grain offering, whether it is mixed with olive oil or dry, belongs equally to the sons of Aaron. Is, it, is anybody beginning to see where, where we're headed? Anybody beginning to understand the word of God and what God's word is telling us as it relates to our offerings? Amen. Amen. So what are we saying here? Basically, it summarizes the parts of the offering that went to the priest. Verse nine and 10. Since they were not to have land, they did not have crops. They were basically to rely upon the people, the people, the people. It's found in even in New Testament. This principle is found even in New Testament. Remember, Jesus even taught it. When you go doing the work, you shall not carry your coat or your cloak. Don't worry about anything. It will be provided for you. Amen. Amen. And equally in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Don't you remember there where the word of God, Paul taught the Corinthian church that those who preach the gospel should live by the gospel. Now, I'm not one of these proponents of preacher getting everything, but I am a strong believer that if you've got one serving you, it becomes your responsibility. It is not only right, it is a level of worship to make sure that that leader is taken care of. Amen. Amen. I know that's, that's, a, little bit, that's a little bit hard for some folk to deal with, but that is the word of God. That is the word. So we got to make sure that we are doing things that bring glory, honor to the name of the Lord. We got to make sure that we are honoring God, not only by honoring him with worship, but let's also be found honoring him with our service. Amen. Which leads me to talk a little bit about the drink offering. Let me talk a little bit about the drink offering. Turn with me, if you will to uh, the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 28. Let's go there real quick. I'm just about done. I'm just about done. Numbers chapter 28 
verses one through seven is actually the scriptural reference where you find the drink offering being dealt with. Let's let's look at that for just a moment. And I'm going to sort of reference it and tie it all in together. And then uh, I believe we'll wrap up for today. Amen. Numbers chapter 28, beginning at verse one. Watch the word of God. The Lord said to Moses, give this command to the Israelites and say to them, make sure that you present to me at the appointed time my food offerings as an aroma pleasing to me. Say to them, this is the food offering you are to present to the Lord. Two lambs a year without defect as a regular burnt offering each day. There it is. Offer one lamb in the morning and the other at twilight together with a grain offering of a tenth of an ephath of the finest flour mixed with a quarter of a hen of oil from pressed olives. This is the regular burnt offering instituted at Mount Sinai as a pleasing aroma, a food offering presented to the Lord. Here it is, verse seven. The accompanying drink offering is to be a quarter of a hen of fermented drink with each lamb. Pour out, y'all see that? Pour out the drink offering to the Lord at the sanctuary. Y'all beginning to see this thing come together. You should begin to see it coming together. In chapter number 28, here we see how the new generation of Israelites were to honor God. This takes place, Bible history, takes place after they have conquered um, Canaan. They are now settling down in the land that is promised. And all of this now says that they were to remember that this was to be a pleasing aroma in the sight of God. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's the thing. According to verse number one, according to verse two, rather, he says to them at the appointed time, when I say so, mm-hmm, whether it was monthly, whether it was daily, whether it was weekly. Remember, we talked about this because remember the burnt offering was to be offered twice a day. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the grain offering. The grain offering was to be offered. Whenever it was to be appointed, verse two says that God says this should be done as an aroma that is pleasing to me. Mm. Offer one lamb, verse four, offer one lamb in the morning, the other at twilight. That's the burnt offering, the food offering. All of that took place then. Then he says, in addition to the burnt offering and the food offering, or what we are knowing as the grain or the meal offering, there should be an accompanying drink. Y'all see that? An accompanying drink that is to be a quarter of a hen of fermented drink, wine with each lamb twice a day. You are to pour out the drink offering to the Lord at the sanctuary. What, what's, what's the whole point of this? Here it is, y'all. Here's the point that I need to drive. The burnt offering, the grain offering, 
and the drink offering were given together to represent man's dedication and his devotion to God. All right. That basically said that you give all three of them. Mm-hmm. What does a drink do for us? A drink quenches our thirst. A drink refreshes us. All right. So is your worship a matter of service, sacrifice and refreshment? <laughs> Lord have mercy. That'll preach all by itself. Is your worship a collection of worship through sacrifice, giving of yourself, worship through service, serving others, and then giving that is refreshing. John 4, 24, if you're going to worship him, it ought to be so fresh that it ought to be in spirit and in truth. Make it live, pastor. It should never be to a point that we already know what you're going to do before you do it. It ought to be refreshing. It ought to be refreshing. So that is the whole point of the drink offering. And that's why I had to add it in as we dealt with the, the burnt offering and the grain offering. The burnt offering is a symbol of sacrificial worship. Mm -hmm. The grain offering symbolizes for us worship through service. Mm -hmm. Remember, the grain is us. The oil is the Holy Spirit. The frankincense represents our devotion from our hearts. And then the drink offering is a refreshment, is a refreshment, something that quenches the thirst. Do you have those three in place? And if you have those three in place, you have covered the first step of your worship. That shows your level of commitment in sacrifice, service and refreshment. And as I look at the clock, I've come to the end of my 45 minutes. My time is up. My time is up. So next week, next week, if the Lord shall say the same, we're going to dive in to the last three offerings. We're going to take a look at the peace offering, the sin offering, and the trespass offering. And if time permits, I want to sort of summarize this section of our study of the word of God by making it apply to us now. That is going to be the most important piece. It is important that we study the word of God, but I believe that in our study of God's word, there should also be life application. Amen. Amen. Of course, as always, if you have any questions from today's lesson, uh, anything we've covered today uh, as it related to the meal or the grain offering and the drink offering, by all means, please um, place those questions in the comment section and uh, we will be found taking a moment um, to see your questions and answer them to the best of our ability. As always, I am certainly grateful and thankful that we've had this opportunity to share God's word with you today. I'm grateful that God gives us this opportunity to gain knowledge and understanding of the word. I'm so glad to know the word of God is true, that even though the grass withers and sure enough, the flowers may fade, God's word will stand forever. So again, I'm grateful that we've had this opportunity. Thank you for connecting with us uh, virtually for Bible study this blessed Tuesday. I pray that you have been blessed. I pray that you have been strengthened. I pray that you have been empowered. 
Um, do know that if you are watching the evening rebroadcast, uh, please know that I am in ministry service this evening. Um, so I am not behind the scenes for the evening class, but make sure that you post your questions uh, in the comment section and I'll be found, be gladly found answering them once I'm done uh, with my ministry assignment this evening. In the way of announcements, very quickly, do not forget midweek prayer is taking place on Wednesday from 12 to 1 on the telephone conference line. To all members of the Inspirational Voices, do not forget rehearsal takes place this evening at 7, tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. I certainly would love to see you in rehearsal. To all members of our women's choir, women's choir rehearsal is Thursday evening at 6.30 Uh, Don't forget Wednesday at 6 is Cyber Sunday School's replay. Thursday at 1130 and 7 is our continued study of the book of Philemon as we are going to conclude this week our study of the book of Philemon in our New Testament word walk. Uh, This coming Sunday begins a brand new month. We are beginning the month of October. The month of October is Men's Emphasis Month. I'm doing something a little bit different this year. Uh, The last couple of years, I've had men preaching every Sunday of the month of October. The Lord has given me a very special uh, message series for our men uh, for the month of October. So um, in light of that, instead of bringing folks in, instead of leaning on our associate ministers, I will be preaching all month with the exception of the second Sunday. So I definitely want to encourage the brothers, the brothers, the brothers. I definitely want to see you in worship throughout the month of October. Don't forget, of course, Fall Revival kicks off next Tuesday evening um, at seven o'clock. For that cause, there will be no evening rebroadcast next week. Uh, As a matter of fact, for the next three Tuesdays, there will be no evening rebroadcast as we will be live from the sanctuary in worship in our fall revival. Dr. J. Vincent Terry kicks us off next week uh, along with the Twilight Missionary Baptist Church Choir and their very fine pastor, my friend, my brother, Pastor Danny Jones. And then the following week, my good friend, the Reverend Dr. Mark Gibson and his awesome praise team from the Redeeming Love Church in Raleigh will be with us. And then uh, we will close out our revival on the 17th with the Reverend Dr. David Moore and his good people from the Indian Woods Missionary Baptist Church of Windsor, North Carolina, sharing with us. We definitely are looking forward to a great, grand, and glorious time in the Lord as we worship God together. Let's continue to pray one for another. Let's continue to pray for all of our sick, all of our shut in, those families whose hearts are saddened in bereavement. Our thoughts and our prayers are with you now and always. Let's prepare to close. Let's go to God in prayer and let's close our time of sharing in the word of God. Pray with me now. Heavenly Father, I say thank you so much for this opportunity to walk through your word. Thank you for bringing your word to life and allowing your word to live in us. God, I pray today that you will allow us to be found worshiping you better. Help us to give the very best of our sacrifice. Help us to give the very best of our service. And above all, we pray that our sacrifices and our services are refreshing to you and the people around us. Lord, lead us, guide us and direct us. Help us, God, to walk it out according to your will and your way. We only want to do those things that bring glory and not shame to your name. For these things and so much more, God, we simply say thank you now and always. This is our prayer. We offer it now in the name of Jesus. We pray, we praise, and we proclaim. Amen, amen, and amen. 
Blessings upon you, beloved, is our prayer. It is my will, but it's got to be the will of God that we will be together again next Tuesday for another uh, segment of our Old Testament word walk. Until such time, be blessed, be safe, take care, and know as always, beloved, we love you all.